1: They are Sports Illustrated. It's amazing. This incredible body of work. I really appreciate the integrity. Everything you do is well done. You guys do a great job. Oh, we love it. What
0: can we say? He's Chris Mannix.
2: He's employed by Sports Illustrated. The announcer's got it in for me. There you go. This is the Crossover NBA Podcast. If you have a problem with it, build a team that can beat them.
0: Hosted by the one and only. Oh, thank God. Thank God. Chris Mannix.
2: All right, welcome back to another episode of the Crossover NBA Podcast. It is a quarantined in Orlando edition of the pod. I am down here inside the NBA bubble. I am in the middle stages of my seven-day quarantine, hard quarantine that requires me to stay in my room for a full seven days, can only step out into the foyer of my room to get tested. Test every day. They bring your meals. It's quite the... uh, experience here in Orlando but uh, it's gonna be a I would call it historic uh, event when the NBA starts restarts its season and hopefully crowns a champion in early October uh Joe Varden is here he is one of my bubble mates here in Orlando and he joins me to talk about his early experience inside the bubble uh how it's going for the NBA some of the early violations that we've had what does that mean and uh, just how well we think this is going to go for the league. Plus, some news on Victor Oladipo. We talk a little bit about the Lakers losing another guard. That much more with Joe Varden of The Athletic. A little bit later on, Scott Brooks, head coach of the Washington Wizards. I talked to Scott about his early experiences inside the bubble, uh, how he reacted when Davis Bertans elected not to join the team in Orlando, and what he thinks the Wizards could could gain out of a playoff experience. It's a very young team and because of what we're seeing in the back half of the Eastern Conference playoff standings, Washington has a decent chance to get a playoff spot. I talked to Scott about that and much more. Quick housekeeping note, if you like this podcast very easy way you can support it Head over to Apple Podcasts, post a comment, leave a rating. It's simple, it's easy, it's free. It's the best way to make sure that we keep doing the show week after week. That's it. All right, on to my conversation with Joe Varden. All right, joining me now on the show, he is my hallway mate here in Central Florida. We are quarantined in our uh, 300-plus square foot rooms here in the Coronado Springs. As we speak, we are, I guess, officially on day three, though... They're starting to blend together. He is Joe Varden of the Athletic. Joe, that that backdrop of yours looks familiar. I I feel like it's uh, it's like a mirror I'm looking at right now.
4: Pretty much, man. I mean, you know, the, the funny thing, Chris, is um, I have stayed here before on vacation, and it was uh, the last time that my family and I had come to Disney. Um, like March of 2019 was we literally stayed right here. So, if 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 other people might have had like some kind of like um. Like in awe moment of pulling up to the the bubble hotel, like i I just thought, well, I've been here before, and uh, I kind of knew that these would not be rooms that you know would maybe be super comfortable staying in for a week without you know leaving, but so
2: far, so good. so how has your experience been through the first uh two plus days? Um, I should point out that as we record this on Wednesday afternoon, we might have to stop at any point in time because our testing might uh, take place today there. They've scheduled those for the early afternoon. But for people that have read your stuff, I've been writing a little bit about it as well. I mean, it's it it is what it sounds like. We're locked in our rooms for uh, the next for the first seven days. We have three meals delivered per day. Uh, we have uh, you know a, a testing done every day or night. The results given within twenty four hours uh, after. I, I thought you had a good note in your story where you got the phone call. In the middle of the night. Now, I phone call for people that don't know, it's, uh, the phone call means something bad. If somebody from the testing company or the NBA calls you, uh, something adverse has happened. You usually just get an email saying, you're all clear, next day, move on. I, I wish I had thought of the idea, Joe, of prank calling all of you guys, just like getting all your room numbers and just calling you all at like 11 p.m. and just being like, sucker! And that's
4: it but <laughs> i listen i have no proof that chris haynes was the one actually calling me from yahoo but i i, I mean let's all I'll say i have no proof that it was him but uh yeah basically it, it was i had gone to bed at about 1 and at three thirty, my phone rang and i had no idea where i was i'm thinking it's a fire alarm a bomb scare like i don't know and then when i finally did figure it out the the person had hung up and the red message light had come on. And I'm sitting there looking at the message like, oh, my God, the NBA just called me. I have COVID. And, uh, you know, I'm stumbling and I, I, I hit the button and whoever had had called had hung up on the voicemail. And I started to do the math. I'm like, wait a minute. Like, I, I'd only taken my test four hours ago. There's no way it's done. So, yes, I am all good. I've got three negative tests in the, in the bank and uh, heading towards Monday.
2: Yeah, I had um I had not I don't know about you, but I had not taken a covid test prior to being down here. So mm-hmm. like in that first 24 hours, I I basically just imagined every symptom I could possibly have. Like wait a minute, I I might have a cough. Hold on, am I feverish <laughs> here? Let me take my temperature for the 14th time in the last 3 hours. I I was starting to like will my I was starting to will coronavirus into me at that point. Like okay. it was
4: it, yeah, this makes me feel really good to hear you say that. So that I know that I am not the only one who's totally nuts. Um, you know, I will say things like, "Oh, I think my throat is trying to hurt," uh, you know, or, or like, "Oh, I don't know, like I feel a little tightness in one corner of my chest," and but no, every you know, we're we're fine. I mean, I'm like you. I I didn't um, I didn't have a test either. I really hadn't been within six feet of anyone who was not a uh, someone who lived in my house for for four months. Um, my things at home in Cleveland were I would go for a run um, outside, but that's, you know, that's safe. And then I did play a lot of golf, but I mean, golf is pretty easy to keep your six feet and no one touches the flag stick anymore. And you don't even stick your hand into the hole. So, you know, I, I knew I was safe, but still you're thinking like, okay, how safe is safe. And then you're worried about the airports and all that stuff. So I think now that we're on, it's Wednesday, and we've been negative this whole time, I, we're probably clear, probably. There's,
2: there's a temptation, at least on my part, to be part of all this for the first few days and have it influence how you feel about the outcome of this event, right? Like you're, you're like, wow, you know, you and I participated in multiple Zoom calls with NBA officials, doctors. Um, who have outlined all the protocols, and now that we're part of it, I mean, it's almost like I'm, I, I'm con- being convinced in real time that this is all going to work out. Has has your experience altered your opinion at all about the viability of this bubble and the NBA's ability to to finish their season?
4: I think a little bit, and I don't know. If, I think, um, I don't think it's my experience. I, I, I think the part of the part of my experience that would impact that is I am impressed and grateful with the lengths that the Disney employees seem to be going to, if they've got it, not to give it to us. Um, that, that makes me feel good. But what what really has made me feel good is that what is clear now um, is, is that everything they had done design-wise to get you into the bubble, and by you I, at this point I mean the players, it was right. It worked. Um, the, the It was designed so that by the time you are on campus and – Matriculating around campus, you are free of the of the virus, and to catch it, if you have it before you get to that point, and that is precisely what happened. Um, no one, n- not one player who has gotten into the bubble and out into life and practice, uh, has has tested positive, and I think that's an early success. I really do.
2: What do you think of the the measures the league has taken? To punish, if that's the right word, the players that have stepped outside, you know, the boundaries. Whether it's Bruno Kabokolo with what he did, uh, Reshawn Holmes, uh, these guys, you know, from what I understand, very, I mean, very light, uh, not exactly egregious actions have been effectively shut down for eight to ten days, and you know, they're put back into lockdown. There. What do you make of the NBA's kind of, you know, drawing a pretty firm line on this stuff?
4: Yeah. I mean, I think they, the NBA, I mean, I think it's a real deterrent and, and, and neither, you know, because we don't work for teams and we weren't subject to testing before we got here. That's why you and I are in a seven day quarantine. So we are like feeling what that's like. And it's not, it's not great. Okay. Well, the players had to do it for 36 hours until they broke the rules and now they're in for like 10 days or whatever. Like, you don't want that, and the NBA, like by by implementing like the 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 their stated response to an infraction and, and actually enforcing it, is showing you know players who might have thought twice, maybe weren't mature enough to handle these rules, um, you know that there will be consequences. I I like I, I take a little bit of offense to this idea that well you know the the players aren't going to follow the rules. I think that. I think it's a suggestion that that there is widespread immaturity and 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 naivete, um, which which I just don't I, I don't think is fair for a majority of the players. There are some like that, and and other players have raised these concerns. Like I don't know if everybody can handle this, but I think that number is pretty small, and I think there'll be peer pressure to do the right thing because of the amount of money that's on the on the table. And then again, like. Whatever you do in your life, you don't want to be stuck in a room for 10 days. And that's what's happening to to Rishon Holmes.
2: i tell you what's interesting. Your colleague, Sham Sharania, reported that the hotline was active, that there are yeah. people calling in the hotline. Now, I, I'm pretty sure anyone on a team can call the hotline. I, I had talked to one assistant coach who said that he was going to be in his room with binoculars looking out to see who was who was violating procedures there. But I'm, I guess I'm a little surprised that this early you've got You know, people call it in like snitching for uh, on on some guys at this point.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I think I am. I mean, the the nature, I guess, by and large, the the nature of the reports into the line have been like, hey, so and so isn't wearing a mask or, you know, this guy and that guy were were hanging out too close, you know, not keeping the, the social distance. And you know what, I mean, it might be a joke, or like they may have really seen that and don't actually care, but just think it's funny to call in and try to get them in trouble. Um, you know, I do know that that neither player that actually got caught was caught from the snitch line mm. uh, so but you know, I and mean, then I mean like let's just speculate here though I mean, we all can read the tweets and the news reports about what's going on outside this bubble i mean this is you do not want to catch this. <laughs> mm-hmm. So if someone's like brazenly breaking the rules, I don't maybe you would tell them. I don't know.
2: I mean, especially in this state where the numbers seem to just be growing by the day, record-setting numbers every time you you log on and see what they are. So yeah, it is important to stay. Even if it's just something as simple as stepping out to you know an extra few yards to get food, you got to follow the rules. I mean, the the worst thing that could happen would be an outbreak that just detonates uh, this entire city. But I'm with you too. I think most players are going to to follow the rules. I will be able to see when the playoffs start if the snitch line heats up a little bit. I, I, I just get a feeling from talking to different coaches that there might even be, and I can't say this for every team, but there might even be like a snitch coach, like a coach that's out there like looking for, <laughs> looking for violators to throw under the bus to see what happens there. A little bit of uh, bubble gamesmanship, if you will.
4: Absolutely. God, that, I mean, you would be doing a disservice uh, if you didn't have someone
2: designated for that be somebody following LeBron around like all the time with binoculars. Like, where is he? Where is he going? You got to get him out of there. Um, so as we record this, and you wrote uh, about this uh, on Wednesday, Victor Oladipo, uh, it looks like he's trending towards playing. A couple weeks ago, Oladipo ruled himself out uh, for the restart. He's just six months removed from returning from a major leg injury and made the decision uh, a couple weeks back not to take part in the resume season. Uh, ESPN reported the kind of the elephant in the room. There is that if Oladipo, who is technically healthy by medical standards. Uh, if he opted out, he would forfeit around three million dollars uh, in salary. Um, you heard what Oladipo said on the conference call uh, earlier today. Uh, do you think Oladipo is going to play? And what do you make of the NBA's you know decision here to say, look, if he doesn't play, you're not going to get paid?
4: Yeah, I mean. I, first of all, I, I think that he is going to play. I mean, he said everything from strong possibility to trending towards playing to trying to play. Um, yeah, so, so I think he's going to play. And, um, you know, he was making it sound like the, the, the money didn't have anything to do with it or whatever, but it's hard to argue against his health. I mean, he had, al- like, he had already returned. He was already playing. Uh, before the pandemic had struck, and then now he's healthy enough to, to to fully participate in practice. So I think there would be a real problem there. You know, the interesting part, though, Chris, is that I think part of Brian's report was that the Pacers would be fine with paying him.
2: Yeah.
4: So, you know, but I think I think that it, you know, I'm like I think I think I'm not surprised that Victor got here got around his teammates and was able to get out on the floor and decided that he actually wants to do this because like we don't we don't know when there's going to be another season. You know, I was thinking about this last week before we all came down here and I was thinking about Victor specifically like and Victor and Bradley Beal guys were like, "Hey, I just I want to be 100% healthy for next season." Well, next season might start in March or whenever or it might have to be another bubble, like I, I, we don't know. like there could be a lockout, there could be a double pandemic. like who we don't know. And so like now is the point in history where you want to be involved, you want to make a mark and Victor's a player who could do that. and you know, I think it's good for for him and for the league that, that he feels healthy,
2: yeah, and to if the NBA did draw that line, I'd understand it to a degree. I mean, y- you have to if these are going to be the rules, you can't have guys be like, you know what I just don't feel like it. I'm going to opt out, and I still want to collect all my money. Now, it, there's, I can certainly understand the arguments both ways. I mean, there are players on eight teams right now that are not playing that are still getting paid, but the NBA, don't, from what I gather, they just don't want to set any kind of precedent there where a guy can just opt out for non-physical, non-COVID reasons and and go out there and play. It certainly changed the dynamic. I mean, I I talked to several coaches and, and people associated with the teams, the top of the Eastern conference, uh, a non Oladipo Pacers team was a team they wanted to play. It's like, everybody's yep. trying to avoid Philadelphia in that first round, but everybody else is kind of okay. Whether it's in the bottom half anyway, whether it's, you know, um, the nets or, or this version of the Pacers. So that certainly changes things because Oladipo, he makes them a lot more dangerous, obviously with that group.
4: Yeah, he really does. And you got, you have Brogdon and Miles Turner. I mean, it's, it's a nice team. And it's fascinating too, because as of right now, the Pacers and Sixers are tied for fifth. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, they open the restart against each other on August first. I mean, if Victor's in uniform, you know, that's that, I mean, that might be the game of the night for mm-hmm. sure. Um, you know, with with huge implications. I mean, you know, there's a big difference between you know a four and a five seed as far as who you get to play and uh, in the second round, that kind of thing. So, um, you know, that's. They can, they're only two games in back of Miami for the fourth seed, and and um,
2: you know, I think they, you know, obviously they would have a chance. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the Lakers for a second here. You have Avery Bradley already out, opting out for uh family reasons, legitimate family reasons, of course. Um, so they're down one guard. They signed J.R. Smith. And now the Lakers will be without Rajon Rondo six to eight weeks. I'm gonna guess, knowing Rondo, it's probably on the earlier side of that time frame. He plays through pain as well as Any play I've covered in a long time. I mean, the guy going back to his Boston days when Dwayne Wade broke his arm, he's out there, you know, still playing in a game like that. So I think he'll be back, but, you know, maybe not till the second round of the playoffs. Um, Significant loss for the Lakers there. I think we'd both agree, Bradley, significant loss. I mean, on ball defender, good three point shooter, but, you know, how does Rondo factor into that loss as well?
4: Well, okay, so first of all, the first thing you said about him being a a fast healer is is absolutely correct.
2: Um, I don't don't even even think he's a fast healer. I think he just plays through, like, I think his bones are still broken. Like, I don't think he's he's actually healing. He's just playing through crap.
4: Well, well, yeah, I mean, I can't even remember what the injury was. But remember, he and LeBron were hurt at the same time uh, on on the Lakers last year. and, um, and, And Rondo came back way quicker than LeBron did. And, and, uh, and, and I, and actually I think LeBron had gotten hurt first and somehow Rondo Rondo beat him back. So I, that's right. As we both know, this has not been a good year for him. Um, the Lakers were actually hoping to upgrade uh, their, their backup point guard position at the trade deadline and couldn't do it. Um, I just think overall, cause you're exactly right. Avery Bradley, that's a huge blow. I look at the Clippers right now. Um, they're much deeper. They're a tougher team. And they're healthy, healthy unlike they had been all year. So i, I I'm looking at the I'm looking at the Clippers as to be the team to beat coming out of the West.
2: You know it. The, the Rondo injury does put even more pressure on LeBron, the ball handler. I think because that's I mean LeBron for all of Rondo's weaknesses, it's always seemed like to me that LeBron just trusted him. Like you know he just he wanted that kind of guy out there alongside him because of Rondo's history and his mentality and his just intelligence out there as a player. And, you know, down Rondo, you're looking at, you know, plugging in another two-guard into that mix, basically. Alex Caruso will get minutes. You're just, you're really down ball handlers with that group. And LeBron's been basically the point guard all year long. But, I mean, this probably adds another layer of of pressure, maybe pressure is the wrong word, but responsibility to what LeBron has to do out there, doesn't it?
4: I, I think so. I mean, LeBron is, he's averaging, I don't know if it's 10 assists or 11 assists, whatever it is, it, it's a career high by far. And yes, like the Lakers have set it up that, that he, he runs the offense. I think when you start talking about going like, you know, it's going to be another two guard. I mean, we're getting pretty damn close to watching Dion or Jr.
2: play for the Lakers. <laughs> like That's I, amazing.
4: I, it's going to happen. And uh, I mean, my goodness, J.R. Smith. I mean, certainly some of the finest moments of his career were with LeBron and Cleveland um, actually, Dion and Jr. were part of the same giant mix of trades that that moved Dion out of Cleveland and brought Jr. Jr. over from New York. And now they're all together. Um, it's hard to imagine Jr. like having not played in an NBA game since November of 2018. It's hard to imagine that he can make an impact now. But in, in either player's case, the less they have to do with the ball in their hands other than shoot it the better for them. And typically when you play with LeBron, that's, that's the case. And they, they both have some experience knowing to look for his like last second crazy passes. Um, so th- that should benefit them.
2: Yeah. And you can add, you'll add another shooter in KCP into that mix. I, I forget what the plus minus numbers for Caruso are now, but they were, they were great, uh, you know, during the regular season. So uh, they should be okay there. And Rondo, I think we'll be back in that second round. So
4: I have a question for you. I just, I'm just curious because you're, you know, we're kind of breaking it down here, but somebody asked me the other day, and I don't know what the radio show was, but someone's like, well, what do you think defensively are the Clippers' best options for Anthony Davis? And I, I was thinking about answering, and I'm like, you know, and I said this, I'm like, you know, I actually have not thought about that in any way, shape, or form in four months. Like, no one, no one has asked me a basketball question like that. And I just, you stopped thinking about it pretty quickly after the, the pandemic hit. And so I was just wondering like where you are with all that. And have you tried to start getting back into the X's and O's and the matchups and, and just kind of like, you know, acknowledging that at some point basketball will be, will be back.
2: Yeah. I mean, not really, but mostly because the first thing I want to see is what guys look like in these scrimmages, right? Like, we're now in the everything is awesome phase. Like I have not talked to a coach who has told me, like, my guy is just woefully out of shape. He's gonna suck for the next month. Like I, I haven't heard that yet. Um, and that will expose itself when they get back into scrimmaging and you start seeing them games. Right now you see Carmelo is slim down. Okay, well, let's see if is he able to play 35 minutes with Trevor Reza. Out of the lineup, Uh, Rondo looked like the Hulk for a little while before he uh, got injured. I mean, you you see their bodies a little bit, but I just before I get into like matchups and how guys are defending, I got to see who's the same and who's who's worse, who's a little bit better. I mean, that's that's the first part. I do remember, like as it occurs to me, because it does feel like a lifetime ago, like talking to some Clippers officials before the trade deadline, they were comfortable with the Harold Zubac. Matchup with a d they I, i'm try, I, I think I'm remembering it right when he, one guy told me that the numbers for Harrell on AD were pretty good that mm-hmm. they they liked the, that matchup at least enough that they weren't going to go out there and try to find a big man that was and again, a lifetime ago that was when you know everyone was it was a free for all for the free agents that were available, and everyone's trying to sign Reggie Jackson because all of a sudden he's the hot guy, and you know yeah. you're competing for five, six guys, but they I, I think they were pretty comfortable with that a d harrell matchup. Uh, for whatever it's worth, at that point,
4: yeah, I, I think you're right. And then also, I think one of the reasons they're so comfortable is they know they have a player who can guard LeBron one on one and make it very, very difficult on him, mm-hmm. which is what happened in two and a half of their three games so far this year, or, or either I can't remember if they they've played they either played twice or three times. And whatever it was, you know, for for the most part, Kawhi made it really hard on him. The the game that the Lakers won, LeBron played better in the fourth quarter. I just can't remember how many times they had played. Um, But that that is the point. That is the equalizer. You can maybe have help uh, on AD if you need to, because you actually you're one of the very few teams in the league that can put someone on LeBron and leave him alone.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and so if you can just you know send help at AD, you're. You're obviously, in a better situation. Um, let me finish with this, Joe. I've been bullish on Philadelphia's chances. Maybe it's just like I, they were just so abysmal in mid March. Like it just seemed like that was destined to be broken apart. Uh, now Ben Simmons is back. He looks pretty healthy. He says he's as healthy as he's been in a while. Um, and Brett Brown did something interesting coming out of this. He decided to install Ben Simmons as. The team's power forward. You know that effectively will make Shake Milton the starting point guard. Simmons, of course, will still have plenty of ball handling responsibilities. But I mean, it's interesting. It, it certainly changes the dynamic considerably. I mean, you you clearly lose something. You know, by sending Al Horford to the bench, but that M B. Al Horford front court wasn't working uh, all season long. Uh, what do you think of Simmons, the power forward, and is that uh, could that be some kind of catalyst for Philadelphia?
4: Yeah, I think so. I think so because, right? I mean, and then that that brings uh, Milton into the starting lineup as well. He's been getting some run and he had been playing so well. Um, I, yes, I, I, I do. I mean, if you think about the way we play basketball now, you can't just you you, you need someone at the point guard position with the ball in their hands who can shoot. It, they, they ha- you have to have that. And if 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 a player like Ben, if all he if what he can do is is play down low, you know, and he's big enough to do it. Move him there, and now you can you you can utilize the, him and 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 Embiid a certain way in the offense. Um, bringing a player like Horford off the bench is good, and like you said, they were just they were absolutely a mess, and and injuries had something to do with that. But they could not win on the road. They couldn't shoot on the road, and now this whole tournament essentially is on the road. So, you know, I think it, I think now is the time to try something drastic.
2: I think the only question I have is if you play Simmons at four, does that take away your best low prose presence in Embiid? Because uh, Embiid loves to float back to the three point line. But going back to what I said about the poor three point shooting, um, or at least what I expect to be poor three point shooting this year, I mean uh, uh, Embiid in the post has got to be incredibly valuable. If you can get high percentage shots, you know, consistently, you know, that's that's something you want to try to take advantage of if you're Philadelphia, but you know, Embiid and Simmons both kind of in the paint, I mean, that kills your spacing. Like, I don't know how you you were able to space if you have both those guys kind of camped out, you know, within 15 feet of the basket.
4: Yeah, that makes sense. It, it does. I mean, and you're right, Joel does like to step out. I think, I mean, it'll be interesting, though, with an extra ball handler on the floor, that makes Ben, um, you know, because of who will be guarding him, that that kind of makes it, uh, the Sixers, an even more difficult matchup in transition, um, which is a way that Ben can hurt you as a four. So, um, you know, I mean, like, look, the Sixers are imperfect. They're too big in a way, and they're, they're plotting and in some ways. And, and you know, but there's, there's also an immense amount of talent. And, I mean, you know, Brett is getting some credit for finally trying this. And, you know, obviously we want to see if it works, but you know, good for him to, to try something.
2: Something weird's going to happen in this playoffs. You know it. Like, it's, it may not be like 99 Knicks going to the finals, but something weird's going to happen here. I, I, I can, like, people ask me all the time, I'm sure they ask you to make a prediction. I can't, like, yeah, I'll just say this it won't be chalk. I just don't, I don't believe it's Lakers Bucks. I just, no. I think something weird's going to happen.
4: Yeah. I mean, so, right. So, so the Rockets were a team that had figured something out and, and, you know, then 85% of their offense caught COVID. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, if, if, they get it together, like, yeah, in a tournament, sure. Um, and then the, the Raptors who they lost Kawhi, of course, and then probably they've been fantastic all year. Now you get into this weird situation where everyone's out of rhythm, but the Raptors like have a system and they run it and they all believe in it. I think that's going to make a big difference. So
3: mm.
4: I agree with you. Definitely not chalk, And I would keep my eye on Toronto.
2: Yeah. I mean, if Siakam can make that leap. Like, he made the league all regular season. If he makes that leap into, like, a Kawhi-level playoff performer, I mean, he was, it, again, it seems like forever ago, but he was lights out in the playoffs last year, and especially that that clincher, I believe. What do you have, 30 in that game or something close to right. it uh, against the Warriors? Um, if he can make that leap, Toronto is definitely definitely a team to watch. Uh, Joe, appreciate the time, man. Uh, are you enjoying the cuisine in, in your uh, room there? Yeah, I'm fine. You
4: know, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Um, I mean, there's a lot of food. Uh, I'm trying. I'm trying this thing of of trying not to eat meat or dairy. Uh, I'm not saying I'm going to do it forever, but I've been doing it for a couple weeks, and you can do that here. Like, there's definitely you know vegetable options with every meal, so I have not gone hungry
2: so far. Let me tell you something. I am the world's pickiest eater, and okay. this is not working for me. I get <laughs> I get up, and I'm not blaming. It. Like, this is just a me thing. Like, it's not the food is bad, yada yada, but. I get up. I get the breakfast. I pick out the fruit, and I grab the fruit smoothie. There, I have that, and then I wait until 5:01 to order a chicken sandwich from room service, which is my second and only other meal of the day. Okay, okay. that's 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 it. I'm I'm well, paying extra it for it. Like, why do you have to do that at 5:01? Because it only uh, they only start serving at five. Oh, okay. It's 5 p.m. I, 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 See, you haven't taken advantage of the room service yet. Five p. It's pretty solid. I should recommend it. Five p.m. to two a.m. You can get room service, and uh, yeah, I've uh, I've tried to lightly tell my NBA uh, friends there that your food is wasted on me. <laughs> that it just it's good. <laughs> just send a fruit cup, maybe some bacon, and I'll be okay. But
4: uh, hey, white bacon's on the menu tomorrow, so you're bold. Oh
2: yes, I will have myself a good breakfast uh, in the morning. Uh, Joe, appreciate the time, man. All right. thanks for having me. See you soon.
1: Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.
2: All right, back on the podcast, fulfilling his once-yearly obligation to appear on this show. He is one of the most decorated backup two guards or point guards. I don't know if he wasn't really a point guard. Backup guards (laughs) in NBA history. Um, He's played for a number of too many teams for me to count, and now he is manning the sidelines in Washington. He is Scott Brooks. Scott, how you doing, man?
3: Chris, I'm doing well. Thanks for the two-guard backup point guard, (laughs) just a guard. I mean, I've been called worse.
2: (laughs) What's, What's the worst you've been called?
3: Um... I there's no way I can say this, but it's it's pretty bad. One of my coach coaches at one time, he he said some really mean things. I'm still barely getting over it now. <laughs> Is that's, that that's coach? That's back, back in the time. Back in the time, Chris, you can really get into guys. I mean, you can really like get into guys right now. I mean, it's just a different way of doing things. I like it better this way. I like it better, you know, really understanding players and what makes them really tick. Back then, there was only one way to tick. You, you, you either play through everything and anything, and, and, and there's some things I like about back then because there's no excuses and all that, but uh, some, of the, some of the things that the coaches would take you through and put you through with three- or four-hour practices, I mean, we couldn't even think about doing those things, and nor would we want to anymore.
2: Oh no! It's totally changed. I mean, God, you go back even further. I, I it probably precedes you, but commercial flights, you know. For, oh no, for I, was on, I was on. You were on half
3: my career, half my career, and that's the craziest thing. I was um, on with um, Barkley the other night, and we were giving each other, you know, crap. And the thing is, I remember after a game, would play like Detroit in Detroit, and. The airport was so far from the hotel, we had to take the mandatory. You had to take the first flight out. We had to get up after a game like at 4.30 in the morning, jump on the first flight. You're starving. And, and back then, airports didn't have anything. All they had was like the little, a little pretzel machine that rotated around. And you had a choice. You want it with salt or no salt. And that's, that's what we had for <laughs> breakfast and, you know, the generic uh, concentrate orange juice and – and that was, our, that was our meal because we played the next night. It could be in Chicago or Milwaukee. Yeah, I mean, commercial flights, and that, that, was, that was no joke. We have, it, we have it nice. I'm not complaining. I hope it never goes back, which I don't think it will.
2: <laughs> so this – I mean, these current accommodations compared to, you know, early 1990s lap of luxury then, right? Like compared to yeah. what it used to be.
3: It's – I mean, you have everything. You have – I mean, back then – Back then, here's what, here's what we did after games, and, and I wasn't a big alcohol drinker. I had a, a beer every now and then, but back then, um, after a game, to replenish your minerals that were lost, you had to drink two beers. And I'm <laughs> like, Man. first of all, I didn't play enough to drink two beers because my minerals weren't that much depleted, right? But, yeah, we had to drink two beers before you even got into the showers. And that was part of our rehab or our our recovery program being ready for to play the next game because they felt that that gave you, you know, the the minerals that you needed that you lost. Can you believe Wait, that?
2: No, I, I can't believe. Like, this was
3: a medical staff from a team? This was, was yeah, this was our team trainer, which we love. Um, and he's a legend, my rookie year. And, I mean, that was it. I mean, that was it. And... and that was that was how it was back then it was not like it is now thank god we have changed and we became you know we became modernized but yeah it was no question it was that i mean back then it was beer in the locker room our, Yeah. some of some of our some of our equipment managers had you know i don't even know if we had the gatorade back then but we had the, the big um mach, uh soda pop vending machine and you know, you had all your choices, and the bottom one might have said fruit punch, but it was really Miller Lite. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, and it was, yeah. Can you believe that? That's how crazy times have changed.
2: I can't believe all this time I've known you, I've never heard that beer story before. That that's tremendous. Like that's, you know, it, that it's considered a recovery technique. Like I'm going to use that at all times. Like I'm just going to just, <laughs> I'm going to finish, finish working tonight. Just gun two beers and call it uh, recovery. I mean, that's. Yeah.
3: Can you believe that? That was our, I that did. was our recovery. Not like I said, I'm, I didn't play much. And then if I did play a lot and then the la- last thing I need is two beers, I would down before I jump in the shower. And you know, I was, I was buzzing by the, by the time I got on the bus, <laughs> going back to the hotel. Was that, did everybody have to do it? Uh, yeah, he, I mean, he passed it around. I mean, that's, that was, it was just a different time, then. And I remember he brought me in, and this is the greatest story. This, he brings me in, Al Domenico, I love him. I mean, he's one of my favorite people of all time. Brings me in, brings me over to the side room, like away from the locker room, away from the training room, all the way over. And I kind of like, shh, shh, come here, Scott, come here, come here. Young fella, rookie, rookie, come here. And he whispers in my ear, I'm going to give you a heads up. Uh, Jimmy Lyon. He does not – I mean, he does not like it, not one bit, but I like you. Something about you, I think you have a chance. I'm going to give you the, basically the answers to the test. He does not like any rookie in the training room. He doesn't want you to take your ankles. He doesn't want you to do nothing. He wants you to be out in the court playing with toughness. And he said, if you do that, you have a better chance. And I'm like, what do you think I did, Chris? I was never – Never in the training room. I was always. I don't care if I had a twisted ankle, a pulled hamstring, a sore back, a headache, or anything. I was never in the training room. Little did I know the three other rookies on the team, he told the same thing, too. (laughs) (laughs) Because he he didn't want to waste his time dealing with rookies that weren't even going to make the team. (laughs)
2: <laughs> so uh, it was all about him and that one.
3: Oh yeah it was all about him but he i'm telling you he's the best he's they don't they definitely don't make them like him anymore
2: do you ever do you ever cringe as a coach when you you look i'm not saying guys nurse an injury but going through seeing what you saw as a player and seeing what other guys you know went through physically with the lack of equipment that maybe they had compared to today do you ever cringe kind of looking at what some guys won't play through
3: um, yeah, yes, I do. At times there was times I'm thinking, okay, you, you might be able to, you know, gut it out, but the the way that, the way it is now that it's such a big business and, and I don't blame them. It's the money is crazy now. And, and we know more now back then it was almost like you would have, it was like almost like the eye test. And now there's so much, uh, technology and we know and there's areas where they do these you know the load the, the jumps and they see you know you're landing how much pressure you're putting on and it's not at the base point that it once was so you must be you know there's an injury coming or you have an injury so I get it now but it's still as a coach you still you know you want your you want your players healthy you want your roster on the court because it gives you the best chance but I but the technology now. Chris is just—it's—it's incredible what's out there, Mm -hmm. and you know, even now, I mean, what I'm wearing—I'm wearing this ring, and it's checking out my sleep, and it's told—it told me, "Hey, hang in there, you're going to have a better night's sleep tonight," because last night you were tossing and turning. I'm thinking, wait a minute—I'm tossing and turning. I'm in Orlando. We're having fun. We're practicing with a team that I love to be around. We haven't played a game, let alone an exhibition game, and I'm tossing and turning already. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh my God! If I wore this during the season, I, I can't imagine what it would tell me.
2: So it gives you. So I have one of those rings in my room. Yeah. How
3: do you but pronounce still, it, by the way? Ura, I want to say. Oh yeah, oh, something like that, right? Something like O-U-R, Kura, O-U-R-A,
2: yeah. something like that. But it so it well, gives we're, you. We're never not oh, going to
3: endorse it. We're not going to get any money for representing this company. We can't even pronounce its name.
2: No, no, no we sir, we absolutely cannot. Uh, but it just not gives you all that information.
3: It gives you all that information? Yeah. I mean it tells you everything. It tells you, you know, what was your resting heart rate during your sleep? What was your REM? How many how long did it take you to get to sleep? What time you woke up? How many times were you up in the middle of the night? I'm like, it's amazing. Like, really? I was up seven times last night. <laughs> what are you 80 years old now 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 i'm gonna yeah right i I, i'm pretty sure my bladder's pretty good Uh, (laughs) i don't remember getting up seven times if i if that's the case i'm gonna lock my hotel door so i'm not walking out the out the door sleepwalking
2: (laughs) oh you're having night terrors in the middle of your room that's that's amazing um I, i liked how you gave it to barkley the other night though when barkley tried to ask the question of you know, give me two players that need to play well, and you counter by saying, "Name two players on my team." And he couldn't do it at this point. Does it feel like a like an entirely? Does it feel like a new team for you at this point without Davis there, with Bradley Beal going out? I mean, does it feel almost like a new team you're taking over?
3: Yes, because we've had you know we've had some injuries over the years with John being out. It's gonna he's gonna end up missing two seasons, uh, and now you know Brad is. Um, shoulder and you know he wants to get his body right going into next season which I'm all for he's such a great leader I love to have him down here but it was best for him to be there to get his rehab and then DB you know he's he's going to be hard to uh fill those shoes because he took 11 11 shots and he out of those 11 they were nine threes and any given day any given game he can make four and a quarter or 7 in a game and we're going to miss that. But it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of a really fun challenge with these guys cuz they're they're not looking at what we have. They're looking at what we can accomplish and, and do it together as a team. Nobody expects us to to do much down here, but one thing I told the guys that the only thing that we've got to really focus on is we want everybody to understand that we're thankful for this opportunity because there's only 22 teams here. We're going to take advantage of it, and we're going to work every day. And come game time, we're going to compete. Whether we win, lose, or draw, we're going to go out there, and they're going to know they played against us. And, and what, the, what we've been doing in practice has been terrific. I couldn't ask for better effort, energy. The vibe of our team is, is going to be – it's going to help us. You know, we get John back next year. We get Brad back uh, uh, healthy next year. And then we got DB. Hopefully we can sign him back. And we get all that accomplished. Now we're back in the mix of things.
2: When you found out that Davis was going to opt out, what was your reaction?
3: Um, I kind of I sensed that that would be the case. And, and quite frankly, I was, I was for it because it's, it's hard. What we're doing right now is hard. And he, I mean, we're basically we're going to end up missing like four and a half months and then starting back up there's a big opportunity, but I I give him, I give him, I give him, I have a lot of respect because he was always up front and he's an incredible player. He's not just pop, pop nailed it. When we traded for him, pop called me and he told me everything about him and he nailed it. He said, he's not just a shooter. Now he can guard, he, he can make plays. He's a smart basketball player and he's competitive as heck. I mean, competitive. He says some things to referees and, I don't know what he's saying because I don't understand his language when he's talking uh, to the referees, but I know it's not nice. <laughs> and, and But he's competitive, and we're definitely going to miss him. 6'10", uh, six, six, uh shooter that has a high release, that has a quick release, that knows how to get his shot off and knows how to uh, be in the spots. And our, our young players are going to miss him too because he's a great, great veteran. He knows, he knows how to play, so they see it. In practice, they see it in the game, and he's willing to share all of his knowledge as well.
2: I would think as, as you try to start to, or you start to resume this season, uh, playoffs are still a possibility, maybe even a stronger one with kind of what we've seen the bottom of the standings, specifically when it comes to Brooklyn. So even a depleted team, uh, as you are right now, you still have a shot. And I would think, Scott, that that you as much as anyone would, would want that. I mean, I, I just remember... And correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought your Oklahoma City team got enormous value out of that first round series they played against the Lakers back in 2010. I mean, just getting, you know, experience in the postseason for a guy like Rui or any of the other young guys that you have on that team, Thomas Bryant. You go down the list. uh, It it strikes me that that would be that you would find that incredibly valuable. I mean,
3: is is that fair to say, Chris? I mean, you know, I've known you for a while. I love your work but I hate to agree with you and it kills me. <laughs> and I'm going to give you like a somewhat of a, like a, I'm going to agree with you, but I really can't even do that because you're absolutely right. I'm drawing on that. I know what we did in Oklahoma. We won that, like that second year after like 22 wins, we won 50 wins. And then we play the Lakers, um, to game six, Did a great job covering – Tavo covered Kobe on the baseline. He misses a shot. Serge Ibaka, who I just ran into today, um, going on the bus, and he was going back to his hotel. Did not box out Pau Gasol and gets a tip in. We lose game six. It would have been an incredible opportunity to even have a game seven. But that experience alone really helped us become who we were back then. And with this experience now, we have a chance to be in a playoff – play-in fight. We have to make up two games – we play Brooklyn once. Um, we don't play Orlando, but it's going to be—it's definitely going to be tough. But it's definitely—we—it's not out of the—it's not impossible. But we do have an opportunity, and yeah, we're definitely going to draw on those experiences that I had back then. Because when you when you go to a playoff series, there's always a first time. Okay, it's the first time I in the playoffs. Well, it's the first time we're playing on the road in the playoffs. It's the first time we have a home game in the playoffs. It's the first time I'm starting. First time I'm coming off the bench, first time I get into the free throw line, my first dunk. I mean, it's always so when you can get that as a young team, it's an invaluable experience because you already done that. So your second year, you know the feeling, you know the excitement, you know the adrenaline, you know the you're anticipating all the intensity that the crowd, the other team will bring.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that 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 Oklahoma team benefited greatly from that experience and used it to what was it, conference finals the next year and just to, to make a yes. run and eventually get to uh, to the finals. The um, as you, you know, coaching a team right now, you're obviously coaching them during the two hours of practice and and film and whatever you have before. But how much do you is your job kind of monitoring how these guys are spending their day and making sure they're kind of mentally focused? Uh, you know, during all the downtime, they have experiencing things that they've never experienced before. Basically, sitting around uh, without the ability to move around as much as they're used to.
3: Yeah, I mean, we've we've talked about that. i s I've basically told them up front, hey, we have a lot of opportunities to get to know each other on a different level. I said, in a normal NBA season, we're here, we're there, we're everywhere, and we have basically not much time other than the practice and then whenever. Now we have a practice together. We have films together. And now we have meals together, breakfast. The the meal room has been terrific. The food is good and the players are there. Everybody's there. And from the the whole staff, equipment managers, security, coaches, players, Tommy Shepard, we're all in there. We're laughing. We're just yucking it up and having a good time. And so we're getting to know each other. I had a great conversation with Isak Bonga last night and it was like a deep conversation. Like, like he asked me, like, what makes me happy? And I wish I would have known this last night because I would have said this not being on a podcast with 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 Chris every summer would make me happy. But <laughs> I'm doing it anyway because I like you, Chris. But so you know what I'm saying? We we have these conversations now. We've never, no player ever asked me. Coach, what makes you happy? Because we don't have—not that they will never—they don't care—but we never have time to even think of those thoughts. Now we do, and that's what's good about having a young team, because we get to spend a lot of time together, and we get to get to know each other, and, and, and so forth. So, but it, it, I, I have no complaints. I definitely—we're all in the same boat. We miss our families. We miss—you know—if you're married, you miss your wife. You miss your kids. Um, but and we but we all know that. That's already that's that's obvious. But other than that, it's been great. It's a, the NBA. What they've done, I don't know how they've done it. I mean, they did it, and Adam and his staff and all the people that work for the league, what they did and what they're doing is next to almost impossible. And they've been able, and they were able to do it, and very few like hiccups from the practice yeah. sites, from the hotels, from the buses, from the the entertainment, the golf, the you know the everything, fishing, boating. It's pretty, it's been pretty cool. I'm in, I'm actually enjoying it.
2: Yeah, it it does feel, and maybe it's because we're kind of in it. And I mean, I'm sitting here immersed in day three of my seven day hard quarantine, staring out a window that, you know, doesn't look at anything, but.
3: but No, that sucks. The first two days. I mean, we had that two day quarantine. Forced relaxation is no fun. I mean, everybody wants to go somewhere and relax, but when you're told to relax, you don't want to do that. Don't tell me to relax. I don't want to relax. It's like <laughs> no, you want to, you want to like rebel against relaxing. It's the craziest thing, but those two days and you got seven of them. I can't even imagine seven. that.
2: It's uh, it's, it's what you think. It's what you think, but, yes. but just being, being immersed in it, it just does. You get the feeling this might work. Like, I mean, the, the precautions they take, the amount of testing that they do. Um, I mean, look, we've already seen harsh penalties for players that step outside the boundaries. And, yeah and that should be as much message sending as anything else. I mean if did you did, did your players take notice of that of what happened with Bruno and what happened with Rishon Holmes that like NBA is not messing around here. Like if you if you break the rules you're going to wind up, you know, on lockdown for 10 days.
3: Yeah, you know, I told them, I mean, we've had enough meetings as a league, enough memos sent out to us, and we also had enough meetings individually with each team our team and and I had my own meetings with guys but the first, the first before first practice, I told, you hey guys, we're here for business. Don't don't wear your where wear your credentials, wear your mask. Continue to wash your hands. Continue all the social distance as best you can. You know the guidelines. You know the boundaries. Don't don't cross them because this everybody's it's you're being it's you're under it's magnified right now even more than ever because this is this is very important not only for basketball, but for, I mean, for the NBA, but for you individually. So don't, don't blow this by making a dumb decision. I don't, I hope not. And I don't think so. Our, our guys will do that. And if it ever, anything ever happens, it's going to be, I know our guys, it's going to be totally an accident, but there's enough surrounding, enough security, enough people to really guide you to help you. So you don't have to make those off, make those mistakes. But, but Chris, this is important that make this work. Because who knows who knows what happens next season who knows about the, the the virus what happens hopefully there's a vaccine hopefully this could be behind us but it might not so that's why that's why it's it's an obligation from everybody everybody has to sacrifice and the thing that I love about Adam and the league and what they've done it's fair like our practice times are fair the better teams aren't just getting the you know the, the best practice times are the best you know the arena or the the best courts everything's fair we got our early morning practice we got our late morning practice we're in different facilities um but and i love that and it's not it's not preferential treatment i think there i think the fairness to all of this is i like that i like to see that because now it makes me and our team you know what we're part of this and we're going to do our part and that's to me that's been pretty cool to see
2: yeah, level playing field that's definitely important as you this thing restarts. Uh two quick questions for you to finish. Um it, it's funny but like I've been thinking about this, you know, with no fans in the arena, everybody hears everything, including referees. And there are a lot of times Scott and I'm sure that you've, you know, yelled something maybe you, you're hoping a referee didn't hear and are protected by the sound of the crowd, like the 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 layer of the crowd there. Do you have to kind of you know, you know, check yourself sometimes on how you react to calls that you disagree with, just to make sure that you know something doesn't catch a referee's ear that you ordinarily wouldn't want them to.
3: Uh that that is going to be interesting. I mean, it's going to be interesting <laughs> for everybody. At first, I don't know how we're all going to react by not having fans, but we have to we have to be able to still go out there and, and do our best and compete. But yeah, there's definitely going to be opportunities that, like, I'm going to say, okay normally I, you know you might say something and you it's there's they're gonna hear everything and you don't want that. <laughs> you and our players are gonna be in the same boat. And but I think I think I think this time I think this experience, Chris, is gonna bring a lot of people together. There's a lot there's a lot going on in the world and I think people want to see like united front i think you're going to see a lot of respect from players and and referees and and and, and everything i think it's going to be i think it's going to be different it could change you know as as the rounds playoffs come and the and the intensity yeah it's going to be scott foster you're a complete you know whatever <laughs> you might be able to hear something like that and i can say i mean i'll, watch, I'll probably get a technical knowing scott right um uh, <laughs> Yeah, but you know, I think I think I think it's gonna I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be fine.
2: Who's the assistant coach on your bench that you have to remind not to yell at the referee? Or oh, ordinarily would, come on, wouldn't be. Come hard. on,
3: man. You I don't even have to tell you that.
2: Oh, I think I know who it is. Longo. Mike Longobardi. Yes. Yeah.
3: Longo, man. He's like Every time every time someone scores on us, man, he, somebody's going to hear it. And I'm like looking at him. Come on. Come on, Longo. Come on. We're not we're, – come on. Let's go. Practice social distances is off the court. But yeah, It's going to no, be interesting, he, he man. Definitely will, def, it's going to be interesting. But every, like I said, everybody's in the same boat, and it's going to be – I don't know how we're going to – I don't know how. I mean, it's, we have to. I mean, it's no fans, so you're going to have to get used to it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, have you can you confirm that you have called the snitch line already? You are one of the people that has uh, called the hotline to report violations.
3: Absolutely. I called it once and I, I made sure I called and I talk, I'm going to talk to Adam because I think he has a lot of pull in the NBA office. <laughs> I want to I want to be able to request one thing. We have to wear these little gadgets It's called Connexon. And it beeps if somebody, if the media members or somebody from the other, like a staff member is too close to me, I'm, I said, I want to have this for the year for media. So if any media comes close by me, especially I'm going to talk to Scott Hall, our PR director, when he knows that you're in town, I'm going to make you wear it. And so I know when you're around, I think that I'm, would be I'm, great. That's why, that's why I called. it. wasn't really a snitch, but it was a call. It was a, it was a very good suggestion.
2: Let me Don't tell you. Think that's I think clever. I think it's clever, but I think for this experience, every coaching staff should have a snitch coach. Basically, someone in the back end of your bench that you know basically looks out the window with binoculars um, to seek out violations, especially violations of potential first round matchups. Like like if you're you know maybe fighting for that eight seed and you, know, you see Giannis venturing too far aside, you can make a phone call. Just you know, it, it's
3: gamesmanship, right? It's a snitch coach. I like that. If you really want, all you have to do, but all you have to do is hang in the hotel lobby. But then again, exactly. nobody can leave, so nobody's going to leave it. You know, late night or early morning. <laughs> no. But yeah, no I don't, has anybody called that?
2: <sighs> I believe they have. It's been reported. I haven't confirmed it myself, but uh, I believe they they have. I'm not sure exactly what the calls were about, but yeah. I, I do know that. And I talked about this earlier in the podcast, but I do. I, I don't think that the two violations, Bruno and uh, and Rishon were from snitch calls. I think they just were no. caught doing something. The, uh, but and I'm uh, assuming, I do... I'm
3: assuming it was accident. I mean, it, there's, yeah. I mean, early on, I mean, it was still, we, so there were still getting some of the, you know, the wrinkles out, but I think it's getting better now.
2: Could you imagine Chuck in this environment? Like, let's say he was still a player. Oh my
3: gosh. Can you imagine? I mean, no, not at all. no, <laughs> I mean, one in my rookie year. I mean, it was the craziest thing when I lived with him for two months. He first he wouldn't eat any of the food that was here, and we we didn't we would never we were I mean we was it was either we would go to get some pizza, or we would go to Popeyes, or we would go to Fridays. Those are like our three go-to moves before before games. That's how nutrition was uh, not really a big part of our uh, game planning back then. Our you know, it's so much different now.
2: That's I mean, imagine that now. Quick pizza before the game, a couple beers after, and uh yeah. it's good living, fulfilled right? Your, it's clean living right there. <laughs> appreciate it. Uh Scott, always appreciate your time, man. When I get out of this uh this room, I'll be sure to uh wave at you from six feet or, or further.
3: Yeah, make sure you wear your connection badge so I know yeah, that I you're got
2: around. It. Okay. I got it. I got the connection badge on. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for joining me, Scott.
3: All right, Chris.